welcome to Yoga Talk, the Yoga International podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kat Hegberg. I'm the editor-in-chief of Yoga International. And I'm Kyle Rebar, your other host, editor of this podcast. And who is with us today on this very special uh, quarantine check-in edition of Yoga Talk? Uh, my name is Sarah Garden, and I am a yoga therapist and uh, director of Bodhi Tree Yoga Therapy in Saskatchewan in Canada. And you might know Sarah from taking her classes and courses on Yoga International. And she also has some articles up on the site as well that are very um, interesting, especially the one on Mulabunda. I love. I know that's <laughs> quite a popular article that you co-wrote with your husband, Colin. Um, and if you're not familiar with Sarah, this is a great time to get to know her and her work, um, especially as we talk about this very relevant topic during this time of how can we support our yoga teachers and our yoga studios, and not just our yoga businesses, but other independent businesses as well, during a time that's really uncertain for a lot of us. Um, and Sarah has some really good tips and suggestions that she's going to share with you, so we're excited to talk to her about that today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So Sarah, what would you say are some of the top ways that listeners who um, have the means right now and are looking for ways to continue to support local teachers and local studios could do that? What's going to be the most effective and the most appreciated? Well, I know for us, we run off of two sort of different um, passes at the studio we run off of like an, an unlimited pass so you can kind of sign up and go to as many classes as you like almost like a membership uh, or you can buy like a flex pass where you can just take a class here or there and so the very best way I think for most studios would be to just keep your memberships running and to keep buying classes or going to classes to to show up to online classes because not only um, is it important to have that financial support? But it's also really nice to see people's faces and to know people are out there and to know that they're, they still want to take your classes. Yeah, for sure. I got to take one of Colin's classes yesterday, actually, um, when I was I did a little talk with him. And it was really fun to pop into the meditation class first and to see the people participating and to see him teaching. It was a really cool community. Um, Kyle and I have been taking, we mentioned on some other podcasts too, some improv classes via Zoom. And really being able to make that human connection has been great. Gift cards too, I would imagine, right, might be a good way to support your studio. If you're maybe not able to or not interested in taking online classes, people could still purchase gift cards now and use those later to take classes when studios reopen. Absolutely. So I know there are some studios who have totally shut down and they're not they haven't gone online and so purchasing gift cards we've had people actually call us up and and make donations send in e-transfers and um there's been a lot of people we also sell yoga props we have a yoga prop company that we produce props locally in our city and so um yeah so we we manufacture them so when people purchase props um from us they actually purchase and support two small businesses in the community, which is really cool. The, the people who make the props and then um, us selling them as well. So that's been really neat to see people. We just shifted that over to being online and people have been purchasing props online from us too. So that's been great because not only does it allow us to keep the doors of the studio open, but we can keep all of our teachers um, 
employed, which is huge for, for them. That's So it's not just about the studio itself. It's about supporting the local teachers who are working at the studios. And for us, it's been really cool to watch because we have a, a forum that we chat as teachers. And uh, some of the teachers have donated who, if they have other other careers or other jobs, they've donated their time and their wage to us to help support us if they, they're doing okay at home. And the other thing that they've done is they have made space for the teachers who uh, have yoga teaching as their only gig to take on some extra classes and just backed off of the classes that they teach regularly or donated their wage to the teachers who they know uh, are going to need that extra help in this time. So there's lots of ways that I think as a community, people who are coming to the studios can support or have come to studios in the past can support each other. But there's also lots of ways that within the studio, you can find the means to support each other as well. That's so cool. We were talking a little bit before we started recording too about here in uh, the U.S. where we are, and I'm not sure if class pass is available in Canada or in parts of Canada or not, but we have uh, this app called ClassPass where you can go and you can sign up for um, different credits that you buy and you can take classes with different studios around um, the area. And typically when we're not under lockdown, um, I use ClassPass to try out different classes and not just yoga classes, but um, to take like, you know, different types of fitness classes, cycling, CrossFit, things like that. And I got a message from our local CrossFit gym where um, Kyle and I are both pretty, Kyle's a member and I work out there pretty regularly. And um, they let us know that there's a feature on ClassPass where you can support your studios. And um, they asked if we'd be willing to do that, which, you know, of course we were. So um, it's really easy. You just go in there and you click on this little heart to donate and support your the studio and the teachers. And 100% of your donation right now goes directly to the studio and the teachers. So that's like a really cool thing that I just learned that I could do. Um, so if any listeners are ClassPass members and you're a local studio that you love and want to support happens to be on ClassPass, you can go in and do that and know that at least as far as I know, all of your donation is going to go right to the studio and and hopefully keep the teachers employed during this time. That's so important. We've had quite a lot of support from our government as well, which has been really great. I don't know if that's happening, probably not happening quite as much not as, yet. as it is in Canada, but yeah. um, they're actually, I have made um, an offer to cover 75% of our um, teachers' wages, of our of the wages of our, our staff right now. So that makes a huge difference. And so then, you know, we can direct some of our, you know, income towards keeping the doors open, paying our rent, paying our mortgages, doing that sort of thing. So, so that's really, really helpful. We're still waiting to hear if that's just for wage workers, or it's also for contract workers, or exactly how it's going to work. But I feel like there will be some support there for sure for, um, and it actually enabled us to rehire our shop manager, um, which was great. Yeah, so that makes a huge difference. I think putting some pressure on the government can also make a, you know, really sort of shift things. And and I don't know how easy that is to do right now. I know you talked to Colin yesterday about activism, but um, we're really lucky in a lot of different ways here to have a lot of socialist or so socialized programming, um, socialist ideals in our and um, uh, policies in our government to help support people in times like this, right? So, Sarah, how do you put uh, pressure on your 
local government, your local elected officials. This is something I've been wanting to ask about for a while. You've been trying to put the pressure I've on been, Kyle. Yeah, I've been trying. <laughs> yeah. but like, like, I don't know, like, what do I do as like an independent citizen, you know? Yeah. Well, for us, we're really lucky because the way that our government's set up, we have, um, you know, local representatives, which I know you do too. Our local representative actually lives about like uh, a half a block from our house. And I, our kids go to school with my kids and, and, um, so I can I can write letters to her, but I can also just contact her via social media and just explain what what we're dealing with. And um, because she's really integrated into our community, um, that makes a huge difference. So she can see firsthand what's happening and who needs support, and then she can take our concerns sort of higher up the chain and uh, and advocate for us. And that's not always effective. There's um, you know she's really good, but if you don't have that. Um, relationship in your with your your local representative, then um, letter writing. And I usually find that many voices are better than one voice. So if you can start to um, rally your community and get other small businesses or other yoga teachers um, involved with uh, letter writing campaigns can make a huge difference. Phone calls, we have um, we have a fairly healthy activist community here in Saskatchewan. We are uh, the home of uh, nationalized health care. So we were like where nationalized health care began. And actually the, the guy who, who started that lived down the street from Tommy Douglas. His house is right down the street from, from our house, which is pretty cool. So there's a long history of activism in this province, which um, if you haven't been involved with any sort of social activism before it's actually um there's i guarantee there's there's uh organizations in your community that are already doing this work that you just can lend your voice to if it feels a little bit overwhelming um and so you just have to seek those out and thankfully with uh the internet now it's a lot easier (laughs) to find out about those things but yeah just uh just making sure that you're you're in touch with your local um, representatives that really helps but then when they're not doing what you need then uh, then you know rallying your community and and really putting pressure onto your local government or I'm sure state government down in the U.S. is is easier to rally and to get support from than it is to get national or federal uh, support. For sure. What are some quick do's and don'ts about calling your representatives? Like what's the proper, like what is useful to put into a call? Well, I think it's important to stick to the facts and to try to keep a lot of your emotion out of it. Cause I think emotions running really high right now. And, you know, I've watched a lot of my, my colleagues and peers on, on social media, really getting highly emotionally charged during this time. And, and I understand, like, I find myself, uh, feeling a lot more emotional than I normally do. It's 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 easy to have happen, um, but I think it's really important to sort of talk about the the nuts and bolts of the the operations and and exactly what's happening with the the people in your community and how they're being affected. And so for us, it's um, you know we offer a lot of free programming. Um, and we've done that always with our studio. And the way that we support that free programming is by having people coming in and pay for classes and having to close the doors really 
it, I mean, it has changed the amount of money that we have in, coming in on a daily basis. And that makes it harder to support free programming too. Like we, we do a, we've been doing a free yoga for cancer program for 10 years. We do a lot of um, sliding scale work with people living in poverty in the community. Um, you know, we have a, a wide range of things. We do a, a program with the uh, multiple, multiple sclerosis society that's funded through them. Like we, we have a really wide range of programming and being able to have money coming in affects those programs. Right. And so I think it's important for them to know one, what you're doing two how you do it. Right. And three sort of how, what's going on is, is affecting your ability to carry that out. And so getting into those kind of nitty gritty details without giving them, you know, how you feel about it, or, you know, that, that emotional charge that's there with it, I think can make a big difference so that they see, you know, that you're really, you're serious about, about what's going on and you know, the number of people that are being, being affected by it. So for us, it's like, not only is it affecting our teachers, but it's also affecting our students and our ability to carry on um, the courses or the classes or the programming that we have for those students who are in need in our, in our community. I wanted to, um, to kind of highlight too and ask about some of the great community programs that your studio is doing right now. I know, again, before we started recording, and this will probably have already happened by the time this podcast goes out, unfortunately, but um, you're doing a, a really cool fundraiser um, on Friday that I think Kyle and I are going are gonna to try to do if we can, if we can get out of work on time. I know you're an hour ahead of us where you are. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and about what if studios are able to do they can do to support others in their community uh, during this time and the kinds of programs you're putting together and how you put them together. Yeah, for sure. So the very first thing we did, we were, I think, the first studio in the city to close our doors. We just decided that 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 should happen sooner rather than later. We had, um, we have a really big population of immunocompromised people because of the yoga therapy program at the studio. My mom being one of them, my mom has uh, metastatic breast cancer and has been on chemotherapy for four years. So she's one of those people that I want to protect and uh, a lot of my students as well. So we closed the doors really early and we actually had a lot of people contact us and say, thank you so much that you know, that was important and I wasn't going to be able to come in, but now I can access classes through being online. But then uh, we also had some stories of people who were really struggling in the community um, and weren't maybe getting the support that they needed. So we had one of our students tell us about her daughter who's working as a nurse and uh, the fact that she doesn't have the proper safety gear that she needs to be able to protect herself from the virus when she's in at work. And she's working on the front line. And so we had a chat with her and Colin and I sat down that night and thought, how can we help? Like, what can we do? How can we be of service? Which is, I think, a question we all need to be asking right now is like, how can we be of service? One to ourselves, looking after ourselves, to our families, but then out into our communities. So we made the choice to offer free programming to health, to all of our, our nurses that were on the front line. We didn't realize at the time that we made that decision that there's 30,000 of them in our province. Yeah, so we actually have a huge, I didn't, I had no idea. You learn all sorts of stuff when you're doing this sort of thing. So yeah, there's there's 30,000 nurses in our province. And I mean, our province, like, geographically is huge. It's bigger than Texas. But um, like, 
our population is not very dense and we have uh, just over a million people who live here. So it's, we're pretty spread out. Um, so having 30,000 nurses is quite a lot, but we've gotten so much feedback about this program that we, we just basically handed out um, a three month pass to everybody uh, who's in any of the nursing unions. And so they can access classes to help deal with the stress of being on the front line and, and, trying to manage um, uh, people who are, are sick right now. And so we can support them as they support people who are, are dealing with the uh, illness. And then we're always open to having people reach out to us. So they, we found out about a program uh, that fixes up. So this is the class that's on Friday night. Um, that's a, it's a yoga and beer sort of class. Colin's really kind of locally fairly famous for doing yoga, hot yoga dance parties. Um, called Shake Your Hot Bodhi. <laughs> so so um, his Instagram yeah. posts about those are just like, can I just I say, even if like you live like far, far away and there's no way you'll ever be able to come to one in person, you should still see how Colin advertises <laughs> these classes. Uh, They're very, very funny. They're very, he's a pretty entertaining guy. So he decided um, to do a, it can't be hot, obviously, unless you decide to heat your house up. And we might need that right now. It's pretty cold here. Um, but uh, I sort of yoga class slash beer, you know, you can have a, a beer handy if you want. He's really into craft beers. We were talking about craft beers before this. He's yeah, yeah. He's really into craft beers. So you can have a beer handy. You don't have to have a beer handy. You can drink a kombucha. You can do whatever you want. But it's a class from um, that's later on Friday nights since people aren't able to go out right now. You can join in and we're encouraging locally um, for people to donate uh, any of their old laptops or computers that they have um, that might be they may no longer be using. Some of our schooling, like our, our public school system, has gone online. You can optionally sort of choose to take this or not take it. But what's happening is that that makes it accessible to a lot of kids who are living in wealthier neighborhoods with more privilege. And so a lot of the kids that are underprivileged or living in poverty don't have access to technology. And what this company does is just takes old technology, fixes it up, and then donates it to kids that are in need or people that are in need so that they have access to the internet and will be able to get online and do their schooling. We're asking for local donations. Um, because everything has switched very quickly to being online and not in person, they have a real shortage right now. So hopefully this will help them to be able to, you know, boost their supply and get it out to more kids in the community. And yeah. that's something that like I hadn't even really thought of. Like I had seen, you know, and, and Kyle and I, we don't have children, so it's been like a little bit off our radar. But of course, you know, we have lots of friends who do and coworkers who do. And we knew that classes were being held largely online. And I didn't even think about, like, I feel terrible for not thinking of the access issue, but like not everyone has access mm -hmm. to technology. And that's like a huge problem and it's a huge wealth disparity. And yeah, the, like, thank you for bringing that to our attention too, because I bet in a lot of our listeners, local communities too, that um, maybe they weren't aware of that. And that's something that they could look into and see how can I how can I get technology to the kids who need it so they can continue to get an education while they're at home? 
for sure. I mean, I think that there's so much of that stuff that that if you're looking for ways to help support your local community and help support local businesses right now, we just did a little, um, we're doing a thing called Local Love, which is every Sunday we focus on somebody locally who's doing something really fantastic you know, ideally, um, a small business owner, so we can bring attention to their small business. And, and this last week, we brought attention to uh, one of the coffee shop owners who's had to shut down her coffee shop. But she has taken all of her supplies and any donations that people uh, will give and are making is making sandwiches for um, people living in poverty. And uh, so she's doing like deliveries of hundreds of sandwiches. She ran out of money and ran out of supplies. And then people started making donations to her because there's such a, a bigger demand right now for, um, you know, uh, any of the the resources that were um previously allotted to um you know people who were just just living i say just living in poverty that's not what i mean but um who were living in poverty and now there's so many more people who are dealing with poverty that there's such a greater demand that um we have to kind of look around for that and it's such an amazing thing to look at a small business that's struggling but they've found a way to kind of turn things uh around for their community which is i think something you see uh, way more often with small business, which is why it becomes so important to support them than you do with like some of the bigger businesses in your community. So if you can find those little grocery stores that are doing home deliveries, you can find um, local liquor stores maybe that are are willing to to make a home delivery or that you can do a curbside pickup. There's a lot of that sort of thing that's happening here where all of the small businesses are kind of reaching out and supporting each other. And then they're finding ways to support the community in other ways too. Yeah, there's a lot of our local businesses just like on our street where we live. Um, it's been really, we've been looking for ways like how can we support them, you know, before we go to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or something like that. And um, it's been like our local bodega is half toilet paper, you know. Yeah. And so we go in and I know the people who work there because so I talk to them, you know, before this whole thing, I talk to them every single day when I'd stop in to get like a Gatorade after a run or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And um, they've been so kind to like put away some toilet paper for me when it comes in so I can, I can yeah. go and get a roll there instead of having to rely on Target or something like that. And um, it's, I've also, I haven't done this myself yet, but I've heard a lot of people talk about how there are local restaurants in our area that weren't able to stay open, but who were then like selling off the food that they had. So yeah. people could go to them and they, you could buy your produce, you could buy your flour. We've had such a flour shortage out here. Mm -hmm. We were able to get a bag of flour today and I almost cried. I was like, yeah. I have flour. <laughs> yeah. We could make yeah. a pizza. <laughs> Well, it's such a it's such a great thing to see that, you know, the the community relationships that you make, one as a business owner, but then two as a as a patron of those small businesses, um, that that comes back, right? That will come back and and you're supporting the business, but then they're supporting you too. And I think that that reciprocal relationship is something that we really um want to think more and more about right now because the shift to sort of like I know as local businesses were were laying off people Amazon was hiring people by I think the thousands if not more than that and and you really want to think it's not like it's bad to have those those extra jobs but at what cost is sort of the the question that I would ask so we really want to consider where our money is going and where we can best support first 
you know, the people in our communities and, and then um, beyond that as well. But I think we have to really start um, within our own communities and think about how we can, how we can do things to, to make it a better place to be right now, because for a lot of people, things are going to be really challenging. Yeah. Like, you know, if you decide to get takeout, if you are, have that availability right now, like see if you can choose a local place and sure. not necessarily like McDonald's, if you have that ability. Um, and then if you, if you need to get something delivered, like now is the time to tip like as much as you can possibly tip. Like it's not the time For to sure. not do that. Yeah. Like, you should always tip 20%. Like if you're in the US, yeah. I know it's different other yeah. places, but if you live in the United States, you should always tip everyone at least 20%, but you should tip more now. You just yeah. should just do it. For sure. Well, and I think as a, as a business owner too, like Colin and I were, were chatting the other day and I think it's a time for, for creative people, right. To figure out ways to, to change the way that you're running your business to, um, you know, it's, you know, everybody's sort of calling it a pivot right now in the way that you run your business. And within probably, I don't know, 36 hours, we had shifted our whole system online and found a way to move our whole shop online. And, um, and, you know, our team of teachers was right on board, they were, uh, you know, really keen to kind of make that shift. And we found a way to shift our yoga therapy program online, which I wasn't sure how to do exactly to begin with. But uh, we had our first couple days, the last, last couple days, uh, last Monday and Tuesday, and, and uh, that's going really well. So finding different ways, and we actually asked our people what they would like like gave them some options that we thought might work and then ask them what they would like. So we get that feedback to make sure everything's working well for the people who we're delivering the services to. And I've seen some, some local businesses do that, some local restaurants where instead of doing their regular takeout of one meal at a time, they are making um, liters of soup and selling liters of soup or sauces or things like that. So, so that the way that they're delivering their service is different, but they're, there's been a really overwhelming support in the community too of people with different ways that they can, they can deliver and then different ways that they can support. So, so Sarah, what's something that you wish a general person knew about life as a small business owner? First and foremost for us anyway, and I think this is the case for a lot of small business owners is that it is our heart and soul. Like we, we put so much into the studio space that we have. We've now had a studio for almost 16 years. So I think it's, I think it's been a long time compared to a lot of local yoga studios. Um, But 16 years we've been, been running our studio space and it is like a big part of who we are and how we serve our community. And so it's, it really is our heart and soul. And so when people come in and, and support that, it's like, it sounds cheesy, but to say supporting our dreams or supporting the way that we see a, the world being a better place. I think also it's important to realize that, um, and I didn't know this before we opened the studio, but it's important to know just how much work it is. Like we're there, we put in hours and hours and hours of work. And often we're thinking when we're not actually working on our uh, computers or working in the in the shop, we're thinking about ways to make it better and to help um, shape what we're doing. And then, 
how we, you know, we initially opened the studio to make our community a happier and healthier place to be. And that that's always been our goal. And that's the goal over making money over everything else that we do. And oftentimes there are years where we don't make any money and that that's an, oh, I mean, we have, thankfully Colin has another stream of income or we have other streams of income that we can help support that, but we do it um, less uh, about making, uh, making money and more about, supporting our local community. So the, having them come out and support us too makes a huge difference. Wow. <laughs> so before we close today, um, how can listeners find you online besides all your great classes on Yoga International? I know <laughs> you have a really cool yoga therapy program coming out with lots of great myofascial release and some other things. And your classes, they just feel so good. If you want to take a class that feels really good, I would say take take Sarah's classes for sure. Um, but yeah, where can they find you on social media, online, and where can they go to support you and Bodhi Tree and the work that you're doing right now? Well, our studio is bodhitreeyoga.com and um, our, I'm on uh, Instagram at Connected Yoga Therapy and uh, that's connected underscore yoga underscore therapy. Um, and then I'm on, I'm on Facebook as Sarah Garden and then my partner too is Colin Yogan. Yeah, I think that's, that's about it. But uh, my classes on Yoga International I feel particularly proud of the Connected Body series. That one is kind of like straight from my heart. And then I have uh, a fair amount of stuff about women's health and some cancer programming on there too that uh, are really kind of like passions of mine. So yeah, I, I would hope that people check those out as well. So Definitely. And again, I like really, really recommend both Sarah and Colin's Instagram uh, pages. You both post like such in like you get they get so many comments because just like the topics that they bring up and the discussions that they bring up are so interesting and whatever follows like it's really really easy to just get sucked in it just like keep following the conversation so if you want some good yoga folks to follow on instagram high recommends for sure and you can follow <laughs> yoga international um on all of the places at uh, some variation of yoga international if you search for it it'll pop right up you can also Right now, if you go to yogainternational.com slash Kat Hegberg, you can get a 30-day free trial. So you can take Sarah's classes, my classes, Colin's classes. Um, you can spot Kyle in some of those classes as a model and read articles, uh, participate in member courses, all sorts of things. And you can also reach us at yogatalk at yogainternational.com. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to see you. And I love seeing the sunshine streaming in through your window. <laughs>